Hello and welcome to the Hash Rugby Chat brought to you by Driving Mall. Hi, I'm Paul, the guy behind Driving Mall. And I just realised I went into my old intro and I was going to make this really quick and just go straight into the questions. So, joining me this evening um, is Ashwin and Herman. How are you doing, sirs? Doing fine. Yeah. There we go. So, <laughs> push, zoom in, all of that kind well, of thing. Um, how's that for enthusiasts? <laughs> so, some of the stuff we're going to be talking about. Let's, let's run through the five questions first, actually. Um, well, first off, we'll talk about uh, what was your moment of the weekend um, of international rugby. Then we'll have a chat about um, Gatland, who became the most, uh, I guess, capped um, international coach of all time, passing uh, Graham Henry at the weekend. We'll then ask, is, rugby, is World Rugby doing a good job? Because people seem to be moaning every weekend. Um, then we'll have a chat about Argentina and their coach resigning because of uh, the number of losses they've had. And finally, if we have time, is the whole idea of rugby to cheat? That's going to be our last question. So there you go, folks. That's what we're going to talk about this weekend. Oh, this weekend? No, it's a Tuesday. Oh, dearie me. Here I am trying to speak things up. It's a long week up. already. It's okay. It's a long week already. It is a long it's week. It's like we've had five days. Oh, I guess, just... Paul, Paul, you're like all up in this like World Cup fever in Russia. So every day is a weekend for you right now. You know, And with the England, <laughs> and with the England, England win yesterday, you know, it's... I mean, happy days. <laughs> England England lost, okay? We saw that the weekend. Didn't win anything. Jeez. Um, some, this is gonna be just... well, aren't, they, aren't they just hunting down gay people and locking them up and things? I mean, isn't that... It's just... Yeah, it's a disgrace they've been allowed to have such a... Uh, to normalise their society by hosting such a, a tournament. Uh, this, it's all politics, I tell you. Uh, there's nothing, nope. uh, nothing sporting about it at all. No one cares in England today. <laughs> and that's the problem, you see. Anyway, um, as I have now been totally sidetracked um, by all of that, Herman, what was your moment of the rugby weekend? Um, not so much the soccer. Uh, damn. <laughs> uh, well... Yeah, it was a pretty good weekend, I, I would say. I didn't see it all live, but I catch, have catched up, so I've seen it all now. And still the highlight will be have to that the Irish did make like uh, a serious statement that they are indeed the number side, number two side in the world. And, uh, and the way they did it, the performance, even if the scoreboard was pretty close, I thought they were very convincing because uh, obviously, uh, you will always see in the Australian media and some Australian fans, they are like the world champion when it comes to bashing their own boys. <laughs> and the ref, of course, you know, he was part of some, some Australian fans. That's not beyond them. They, they rain the ref, ref because they lost against Ireland. But <laughs> let's leave it there. But yeah, so to see this big, big statement from Ireland that they are, they are real. We are being the business. And they were also positive to see them do it against what I think was a pretty good Wallabies, Wallabies performance. They, that was Ireland at the best, and the Wallabies could live with them. So good signs for both teams. Yeah, I mean, having Sexton back was uh, is, is always a big thing for them. You know, there's someone who can lead them around the park uh, and all of that kind of stuff, which is great to see. Uh, so, yeah, that's, uh, having their, their best players back made a big difference for them. Uh, and so that's that, that always makes say that's that's always and it's amazing how one player uh, can give everyone the the nice security blanket um, to do what they want to do well and not have to worry about what else is going on uh, and, and that kind of thing. Which I think is also part of um, part of that. Interestingly enough, because I'm head off down a, uh, a tangent already, but um, I, remember talk, I remember listening to Brian Moore uh, talking about the difference between club rugby 
and international rugby. And at club rugby, as an international player, you're trying to make up for the players around you who aren't quite as good as you. Uh, whereas at international level, you just have to concentrate on your job because everyone else is good around you and they can do their jobs. You don't have to do their job as well. Uh, it's a different style, a different way of playing um, for everyone apart from Parisi, I think, who, who also who just tries to do everything himself at international <laughs> level. Um, Eric Ashwin, what was your moment of the weekend? Oh, look, it has to be the red card, doesn't it? <laughs> it, gives, it gives all those All Blacks haters um, around the world something to really focus on and get angry. And get angry. <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> this is like the venom comes out, and this is like yes. yes. <laughs> no, but seriously, no, that's serious. Ser- no, seriously, seriously, there's a couple of highlights. Um, obviously the Ireland Australia game, um, w- was pretty good. Uh, I, 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 I felt. I, I have to be honest. After hard, hard day for me on Saturday, so I um actually didn't see the whole game. I had to watch it later. Um. Definitely a good game. And then um, the other thing that I, I haven't seen it, but I'd like to, and I know that the Scotland team wasn't strong, but USA beating Scotland. Yeah, no, that was, a, that was a massive result. Now, I do have a bone of contention here, though. Uh, because everyone's saying that this is the first you have time... You to hold up your bone. I, I, I need a bone, don't you? Yeah, that's right. I need a bone. You need a bone. Kitchen. <laughs> <laughs> So, so anyway, oh, tell us about um, contention. So, bone of contention. Everyone's saying that this, a bit like everyone was saying that it was the first ever um, coloured South African captain. It wasn't it was the first ever coloured South African captain starting um, at the, week, the other weekend. Everyone's been saying this is the very the first, the first ever tier one scalp by the USA. But what about 1926 when they beat France? It's been a long time, oh, I agree. Olympic gold medal. Exactly. They are the reigning Olympic champions at 15s, having beaten France twice. I mean, they've won it, they've done it twice, so that was like 1920 and 1926. Um, so this is hardly the first ever Tier 1 scalp. It has been a bit of a gap between them, I agree. There aren't many people who saw who were <laughs> at that game who were available today to comment on how they played. <laughs> but... <laughs> um, that's, but, that's yeah. a really good point. Jack Darby, 1926, is irrelevant. Oh, gee, if you don't know your history, you don't know where you're coming from, you don't know where you're going. <laughs> we can't hear you, Herman. We can't hear you. Oh, he's, oh, he's trying to talk and he's just... Oh, dear me. Uh, yeah, we can't hear oh, Herman, um, who is, uh, who's thundering away, giving me all sorts of comments, but never mind. Um, Am I back? You're back. Yeah, you're back. You're back. Okay. I reckon it's your dodgy port again. Okay, now I, I was saying you were in your element, Paul, when you re- can tell that kind of stats. <laughs> <laughs> like your golden zone. <laughs> come on, come on like, territorial advantage back in 1926. Sorry. For, 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 for the podcaster, Paul's looked like a big fat cat who just swallowed a big rat, you know, when he, when he goes about telling stats like that. Uh, the cat got the cream. Uh, absolutely. So, yeah, um, yeah. Uh, so yeah, yeah, tears didn't exact. It did, didn't exist back then, all that kind of stuff. Um, so no, massive win for 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 the USA, even if it did come down to a missed conversion right at the at the death. Um, it was a one point win, but hey, what we've already seen is the improvements brought about by Major League Rugby in the fact that they didn't fade away 
like they have done in so many other years. The fact that the, the players now are 100% professionals, so they actually get to train all week. And they're not just training twice a week and then once at weekends, uh, like your amateurs do, do um, or semi-professionals do. Uh, so having that ability to train all week, their fitness was up so much better. Um, and that was yep. a big thing. One of the comments... One of the comments that was always made, or I mean, like, you know, a regular comment that was made before rugby went professional is, is like, be careful if you what you wish for, you know, with rugby going professional. Obviously, at that time, there were a lot of uh, rugby players getting poached for professional teams of other codes. And it's like, be, be careful what you wish for, because if rugby goes professional, America will just um, pick up the game and um, beat the world sort of thing. And maybe it's coming to fruition. Uh, no, they're not. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Paul, Paul has given me like a, a shut up about the World Cup in soccer, but use soccer as an example. You know, wh- where are the Americans? Are they in the World Cup in soccer right now? They don't know they're not. Do they have like the most resources and players in soccer right now? Yes, they do. It will take a long time. <laughs> it will take time. There's no, no, there's no two ways about it. Um, Jack's asking how many of the US uh, USA squad play in Major League Rugby. Um, about half of them do. And then you've got players like Sammy Manoa, who play at Toulon, AJ McGinty at Sale Sharks, uh, to name a couple, uh, who play in Europe for very professional uh, players. And, but I think the entire squad now is full-time professional, uh, with about half of them playing in Europe and half of them playing in, uh, in, the, in Major League Rugby in the USA. Look, I mean, on a serious note, I mean, it, it, at least, you know, as I said to, to to compete against the um you know the top four let's call them on the, in terms of the rankings obviously still uh, you know it could be a long long time before that happens but for, for them to get competitive and then obviously in the, in those nations around that sort of around them and to have good matches good quality matches it's it's, it's good good news and I mean like if we can see the likes of a Georgia also in Europe. Uh, sort of that European circles um, growing and strengthening. It's good to get some more quality teams putting some quality games together. Obviously still com- battling against the top four, uh, you know, or top six um, nations, but, you know, you're still going to get to see some good quality games happening amongst teams of uh, equal level rather than really, you know, if we go back, when we used to see those teams around those lower levels, the quality of the game wasn't exactly great. The execution of the skills wasn't great. So anything to see the quality actually rise um, at the lower levels is great. Yes, I agree. Oh, and, I, and I also think this, we will, we've seen this trend in, um, in pretty much every World Cup that the minors are getting closer, and I have no doubt they're going to get even closer in the next World Cup in Japan. We will see an even more competitive and with ve- competitive World Cup with very few blow-up scores. That's my prediction already now. Yeah, a couple of questions in the chat. Um, so first, uh, I mean, Q, uh, who we've had does post-match analysis uh, some games with me, asking um, what role have Sevens played in raising the profile of 15s in the USA? Um, and Christian asking, how I wonder how Perry Baker would go in the 15s? Um, I guess a similar sort of question. Uh, clearly, f- um, Sevens and the Olympics has raised awareness of rugby in the USA massively, uh, but that's more on the seven side than the 15 side. And um, I think we're seeing that still. I mean, look, look at the, the ticket sales for Wales, South Africa in Washington, D.C. weren't great. Uh, the ticket sales for these, uh, um, the USA internationals join this window 
I think, uh, have been probably decent, but not great. Uh, it's not really picked up massively on, on that side of things yet. Uh, it's still a long way to go. How would Perry Baker go in 15s? Um, I think he would struggle, just like Carlin Isles did, for example. Um, Carlin Isles struggled in the 15s game, went over to Scotland, uh, played with Glasgow, I think it was, for a short while, but never cracked it, never cracked it in their team. Um, so I think Perry Baker, similarly, uh, without the experience, um, would, would take a while to, to settle in. Uh, he would have to put on more weight. Uh, there's no way that that physique would handle uh, um, coming up against someone like Julian Surveyor, for example. Uh, let's be honest, he would get hurt pretty early doors. <laughs> <laughs> are, we, are you going to say we're going to have to international weight restricted rugby <laughs> under 85s <laughs> yeah it's in white guy league yeah I've got a chance no, <laughs> look I mean and, and so what are you saying like someone like a Perry Baker Carla Niles they need to have a year a good year year and a half of good consistent rugby at sort of a, um a possibly like a lower lowerish level to understand that 15s to be able to come effective at it or would do you think that really it's just a total long shot for them i think it's a total long shot for them to be honest um why 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 are Kyle and Isles of breakers so successful because they get space and they run around people essentially um that's uh, now. Uh, there's more than straight line speed to to their games. Don't get me wrong. I mean, they 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 got a great. They got some great footwork as well. Um, they'll also will chase down players and tackle. So it's not just purely give them a ball with with half the pitch and try and run around somebody. But a lot of their game is that. Uh, so uh, and you just never get that amount of space in um, rugby unless you're Johnny May against South Africa uh, in the first ten minutes of a game. <laughs> No, well, the reason I put that out there is that, I mean, obviously, we've seen a few, um, you know, classic cases for, say, All Blacks fans is um, like your Brad Thorne, um, your Sonny Bills um, coming back from league and um, coming to rugby. And it, and it did actually take them a couple of years to understand the game, understand their positions, and to become effective in the 15-man game. So that, that's why I was sort of putting it out there, whether they just need to have, you know, Possibly like um, I think was it Jack mentioned, sort of like at a mitre ten cup level type, that that sort of level of rugby where it gives them uh, the basics and grounding and the ability to learn the game fifteen to and as I said and and obviously bulk up a bit um, because uh, there's going to be a bit more heavier hitting. Yeah, but they come from a a, a a ball handling background that both those players they actually have to catch a ball and run with it and. In Sonny Bill Williams' case, pass it. Brad Thorne possibly didn't pass it that often. Perhaps he just trucked it up and then rolled it between between his legs. Um, whereas uh, coming from a sprinting background, which is what Colin Isles came from, uh, yeah. there's no ball handling skills at all. It's just being an athlete um, and that sort of things. Uh, interesting, <laughs> Brent goes, um, sleeping giant my foot. Georgia are more of a sleeping giant than the U.S., um, See how competitive the under-20 side was. Um, where was the US under-20s? Okay, so um, Georgia have got a decent under-20 side. They've managed to play now in the uh, the under-20s um, Champions uh, Cup. Champions Cup? or wait, 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 Whatever it's called. World Cup, effectively. Um, yeah, but they have a Champions Trophy for everyone below them. 
There we go. Uh, well, yeah, but they so they they they've, they've been in that one now for the past two years uh, and survived. Japan have got relegated. Got it came up and came and were relegated this season. Uh, the USA played Canada and lost out last year. And Canada went to the went went to the the, the the trophy level, the level beneath them. And Canada didn't get uh, didn't get out of that. And the USA and Canada just played again recently in under twenties and to qualify for next yeah. year's. Um, Canada won. Canada won. So Canada, Canada, won. Canada won that as well. Yes. So so yeah. Sure. At under twenties, the USA are are are, def- are are struggling a little bit. Uh, that that's that's to be f- that, that, that that's true. But Georgia, let's remember, have never ever beaten a tier one team. The USA have. Unlike the US, nineteen twenty six or nineteen twenty twenty six and now two thousand and eighteen. So, yes, but that's so, a little bit. But how many how many tier one teams have Georgia played for? Oh, several, including Italy, recently. Who but lost not, to Japan. No. So Japan is not a tier one nation. No, Japan beat Italy. Um, yeah, yeah, Italy yeah. But I mean, how many times Georgia had don't, doesn't play tier one nations very often? No, but neither, so does, like, neither does the USA. They both they played them way more times than Georgia has. They both they, they both generally get one game in November, um, and. Uh, that, that's that's pretty much, and, and the USA will maybe get an extra one in in June, uh, uh, which they 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 can't, they normally they normally lose. Anyway, I, I still think <laughs> Georgia never get to play tier one nations at home. That's another one for you. True, they don't get to play them at home. They will do. I mean, it, it's twenty twenty uh, playing away. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm just I'm, I hear what you're saying, but just uh, like yeah. Georgia is doing pretty good. <laughs> oh, the, yes, Georgia. I, I think Japan are probably the the outside of the Pacific Islands, which it's a bit difficult. But Japan, I think, are the next tier, are the top tier two nation. Um, I followed, agree with that. Um, followed by next. followed by Georgia, um, and and then it's a bit of a it's a bit, a bit unknown belief beneath that kind of level. Um, you've, you've, yeah, it's about, if Fiji get the finances, they will be moved up. Oh, I mean, Fiji. Oh, I Fiji, Fiji, Fiji the finances. Fiji have just beaten Georgia, um, so I think yeah. you've got Fiji, Tonga, in in that kind of mix. Samoa seems to have slipped away a little bit recently. Um, I wouldn't put Tonga and Samoa in that mix at all because they're going to fall heavily in the next ten years. Because right now they survive massively on the grand grandparent rule that makes they have a lot of Kiwis can play there. But soon, with a lot of Song- Tongans and Samoans in New Zealand, going to be third generations, and they're not going to be available for selection anymore for Tonga and Samoa, and they're going to go down quick. Then. I that's well, interesting. Actually, I just I just pick up on that point by Herman, and it's just like interesting because obviously the All Blacks get hammered for having Pacific Islanders, you know, not New Zealanders playing on their team, which is absolute rubbish. But the reality is what Herman's alluded to is the fact is that the Samoans and Tongans actually have a lot of New Zealanders playing on their yes. team through grandparents' <laughs> rules. So it's actually the reverse that's been happening. Yeah. So obviously, there are your Waisaki Naholos who were come over here from schooling at, you know, the, what we um, I still call fifth form level. Um, but it's sort of like about that 15 year old level and, and then I've sort of you, stayed you mean, here. You mean, you mean, you mean when you're poaching teenagers? Damn. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. it's, it's interesting <laughs> that actually. I mean, that's another topic, you know, digressing totally. <laughs> no, no, but it's, I, I, and it astounds me that, you know, a schoolboy level that they'll go over and cherry pick some, stu- you know, kids from out of the islands. It's just astounding yeah. that, hang on, where's your focus? To teach kids how to read and write or to go find rugby players in the islands? 
No, but but Absolutely. overall, I think I think in the last World Cup, in the Samoan squad of thirty-one players, I thought it was like eighteen or nineteen were born in New Zealand. Ah, well, if you go and look at uh, on Driving Mall and search for rugby imports, uh, you'll be able to get a full breakdown as to uh, the number of uh, foreign foreign-born players uh, in all of the squads, uh, matchday squads. Uh, it's there. I uh, will we'll actually. Um, I actually searched for left- my, um, myself, but um, uh, no, but, but we, we lost the track. But maybe like the ones who are like possible for promotion to tier one are obviously. I agree with Paul. Japan is first in line. Georgia is on uh, quality on the playing field. They are probably soon going to be ready pretty soon to, for um, promotion. Uh, Fiji, if we can get the finances in order, and then we have nations like Spain, Germany, United States, where it's more about they just need to get some quality on the field. As soon as they get that, they will be fast-tracked to Tier 1 status right away because there's just simply too much money to make that. The problem with Germany, though, is that Germany uh, has been a rich boy's plaything um, where he f- basically funded a team and also funded uh, the, the, the German national team. He fell out with yeah, the yeah, union. Yeah. He fell out with the union. He stopped. Pay, he stopped paying the national team. He's now that his team hasn't been allowed into the European Rugby um, Challenge Cup. He's basically now pulled all funding from German rugby, which means Samoa are going to walk into the Rugby World Cup with their two games against Germany. Uh, and yeah, and German, German rugby is basically in a bit of a mess at the moment because they were funded by one person who just who's just pulled out. So yeah, just some figures from the last Rugby World Cup. Samoa had thirteen players born overseas, and Tonga had twelve. They were the two. They were the two most, um, they're the two the two highest number of overseas uh, born players in, out of all the the teams uh, at the Rugby World Cup, and I guess one of the points is uh, is that the that that immigration or immigration of, of Pacific Island player Pacific Island people to New Zealand, I don't think has stopped. I think it's still continuing. So it's not going to be something that they're not going to drop off a cliff uh, as such. Uh, there are still there are still people travelling still emigrating to New Zealand. And there are still new first and second generation uh, Kiwis being uh, uh, Pacific Island Kiwis being born. Yeah, yeah that will always continue. I mean, seventies yeah. and sixties was a big influx. That was Massive. a big wave coming there, and that's and that's what you still see the result of now, basically in Samoa and Tonga rugby. Just like the, the number, <laughs> percentage coming over now is not anywhere near like that big influx yeah. from the sixties um, and seventies. So. So maybe, uh, maybe so yeah. Uh, uh, Fiji were um, were well down the list, uh, to be honest. They, they were they only had three players born overseas in comparison yeah. to, um, and a lot of their military dictatorship means that their travel to into and their their immigration into New Zealand is is much less uh, than it is for Samoa and Tonga um, as well. But we're heading off down into Pacific Island politics. Yeah, they're in an area that I <laughs> don't know my my backside. We're never going to make it to what the. To Waza Gatland. Well, we haven't even, uh, we're, uh, we're, we're 20 minutes in, we haven't finished the second question yet. Um, <laughs> um, so, warning folks, we're either going to go for about three hours or we're not going to get to all five questions tonight. <laughs> um, warning, Will Robinson. Warning, warning. Yes. <laughs> um, so, the. Um, Hugh, yeah, the Fiji Juro joining the NRC has been a positive move for Fiji. Absolutely, it totally has been. Uh, and there's still lots of talk in the next Super Rugby expansion. And I know people will be, will, be, will be throwing their arms up in horror at my suggestion about the expansion, that there is a good chance that uh, there, w- there will be a Super Rugby expansion into Fiji 
in in 2020 or 2021 i think it is 21 21 um the um the great to see that uh now christopher who said he was was at uh the uh japan italy game um and is hopefully going to go to the japan george game so um and is saying how wonderful that was an event uh mirroring herman's comments from last week saying it was like watching a a tier one standard uh, performance uh, and, and also in atmosphere, uh, which is all great to see. Um, where's Catalonia? Uh, it's part of Spain. Um, yeah, we're not going to go down that kind of, <laughs> <laughs> that kind of rabbit hole. Um, we're not, not going to talk about Catalonia either. We should talk about the Basque, Basque region too to make it really interesting. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the Basque uh, county can actually have a pretty good uh, rugby union team if we are allowed to pick all the French guys. Uh, that's very true. Uh, when when Solo um, just says, it, um, I'm just about to take off on a two hour flight, so I hope to catch the end of the show in a couple of hours. Yes, maybe. maybe. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. We hang in for you, Bam Champ. Hang in for you. going? <laughs> oh, dear me. Anyway, um, so yeah, question two. <laughs> oh, dear me. I can't believe we're so far in. Um, so Gatlin became the most, um, I've, I've put capped international head coach at the weekend with his 104th test in charge, um, overtaking Graham Henry. Um, what are your favourite memories of him and uh, where do you think he's going to go in the future? Age before beauty, you start, Edge. <laughs> cool, throw me a hospital pass. <laughs> I got crimes. <laughs> Now, now reversing back and saying, oh, look at, you know, your best memories of Warren Gatland are him playing hooker for the for, for Waikato. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. Waikato. <laughs> he was in the front row where Graham Purvis did the hand of God. But anyway, that's another story. <laughs> um, oh, but Ash, Ash, have you seen Gatland play? Yeah. All right. Just wow. <laughs> Not that old, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so you're actually allowed no, to talk early to Early 90s, early 90s, early 90s. Um, hey, look, I suppose, look, the re- reality is, is that the pinnacle for Warren Gatlin's coaching career um, and I don't know if this is included in the 104 caps or not, is obviously the, um, with the Lions. Um, and and if you're Warren Gatlin, you, you, you're going to hang your hat. It wasn't maybe a series win, but he didn't lose to the All Blacks and he drew a series with the All Blacks as the coach of the Lions. And one and, thing you've got to remember... Don't forget, he, he won a series um, for the Lions against Australia as well. So he's, he's yeah, yeah. coached two tours, won one, drawn one. Um, that's, a pretty, yeah. that's a pretty impressive record. Impressive yeah. record. Was the, thing, the biggest thing with the Lions is that, you know, and every Lions coach, this has been the biggest struggle, is how do you bring four nations that normally go around hating each other no, 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 together. No, 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 no. And let's let's rephrase this. Three nations who hate one. <laughs> <laughs> That's very true. There's no hate between like, the, the Scottish and the Irish. You come, got it completely wrong. They love each other. <laughs> <laughs> they do. They do. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. But I mean, so so to bring bring a squad together two times, one to obviously overcome the uh, Australians, and and as we'll discuss, it doesn't matter what state the Australian rugby team is, they put in a competitive team fifteen on the field for a test match generally. 
And um, if I remember back to that series, it was actually a, he had some good players to pick from as a uh, play against in terms of an Australian squad. Um, and then to draw against the All Blacks at home, um, which is a struggle in itself, to bring the team together, you'd say that'd be the highlight or pinnacle for Gatlin, from from my point of view. I, let's say... Pete, um, Pete Gatlin dropping Brian O'Driscoll for the third, third test um, in Australia uh, was obviously um, upset a lot of uh, well Irish people at the very least. Uh, and then to to change his entire game plan and play with two playmakers in New Zealand after the the so-called Warren Ball uh, that he's so famous for for so many years. Uh, yeah, you've got to say that this that. Um, both those things are, are, are big pluses in in in, in, in the box. Uh, Herman, any kind of? Uh... Yeah, but I, I like to reconnect to the Lions for a little bit there because I wasn't like overly confident or positive in Gatlin uh, when it comes to his pure rugby news before the rugby before the Lions tour. I thought he was like the the perfect choice because he he knew one hundred percent how to handle touring in New Zealand and don't get into pretty much every single trap where Sir Clive Woodward got stuck in when he was there 12 years before because it was just a horror show how many how, how you can pretty much make all the mistakes it's possible to make and it was like t- took a lot of uh, yeah like made lions pretty likable i mean there were a lot of hype in new zealand that they want to get fired up and don't like his lions team but he handled that really well to take a lot of a lot of the air and the, or at least the hot air out of that. So, like, was very, very respectful with everything we did towards everything Kiwi. You know, they were, it wasn't, it wasn't like nothing even close to a scandal or a bad word for like five weeks in New Zealand. 40 grown up men were rugby players. That's some feat yeah. because there were eyes on them. We don't make no mistakes about that. People were watching them, <laughs> whatever they were doing. And from a more rugby sense, he also proved me a little bit wrong about how much he is the credit for that. But he's the head coach. The credit goes to him, whatever you like it or not. He's, but uh, the Lions came to New Zealand and played some really, really good rugby. That's what I probably surprised to most people. That if you look at the test series, the Lions tries are better than the Kiwi tries, like which is unheard of. Pity on. Pity on. They scored better tries. They did. <laughs> they did. Can't see that on podcast, can they? Uh, <laughs> they can't see that on podcast. Yeah, just just video, to keep you making a fool out of himself again. You all see that. <laughs> I'll, I'll be honest. The, whilst uh, the original concept behind this was to was for a podcast, uh, we have way more people who watch it on YouTube than actually listen to it on the podcast. Um, the, but hey, we still love you, podcast listeners. Please do give us a review, five stars, and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> um, the, oh dear. Another great thing I was here's a guy who say rugby nouse. His very first team that he picked when he joined Wales uh, had fourteen players from the same province and one from somewhere else. And there's a guy who realizes that uh, combinations that combinations do work, um, and he then evolved from there bringing in players but say his first game 14 players from the same from from, from the scarlets i think from memory uh, plus one other in and um went through uh, the first guy to win um uh what's we going to call it uh, welsh grand slam for a long time as well uh won a couple of those uh, yeah he's had 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 some highs but ashwin post rugby world cup he's uh, he's going to retire or so he's going to resign um, from, uh, from 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 Welsh rugby, moved back to New Zealand, 
drink a couple of glasses of wine and then look for his next coaching role, where's he going to turn up? Uh, we all know that. <laughs> oh, well, go on, Herman. We know no, that. No, no. There's, there's only one spot open. There's only one. If he still harbors a dream about the All Blacks, there's only one qualification job to do. Fix and get. And the, the keys to the castle is yours. Fix the blues. And I think all New Zealand will be ready. Absolutely. You can yeah. have the All Blacks. You can have the All Blacks, Warren. So, Sir Warren, it will be then. <laughs> that, that's it. That's it. I mean, you look at, um, uh, look at, uh, Jamie Joseph type scenario, right? When, when, when he turned up at the Highlanders and, um, they were struggling. He struggled actually for the first two years. There was talk, talk of him being dropped. And then he turns the team around and goes and wins a title with them. So, um, you know, if if you want to become, if you want to put your hand, your name up in lights, the, the obvious one is to come back and take up a team that's underperforming and turn them around. But, but what I could see an opening for him is it seems because it seems we'll see Crusaders sits nicely in the driving seat again for another Super Rugby title, and they look yeah they look good for the next couple of years too. But I mean, no guarantees they will win it, but they look very good, and it's already no, now. There, there are some big talk about Scotty Robertson, uh, but he's, there are, there are other test teams looking at him already. So that could open up a Crusader spot. Well, yeah, but it's sort of like, as you said, if you want, if you want to be, put your name up in lights, put your name ahead of everybody else, what do you do? You pick the worst performing team and you turn them around and say, look what I did. Yeah, 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 yeah. But I mean, second best, I mean, if you want to coach in New Zealand, All Blacks, it's the finest, but I say the second best is the Crusaders. Oh, yeah, I see what you, in terms of, um, yeah, what, what you want to go it, for. Yeah. It used, yep. it used to be the blues, but not anymore. <laughs> yeah. You don't have to keep in the mind. That was it's not, that was not necessary. <laughs> <laughs> that was not necessary, I know. That was not cool. <laughs> so, um, a lot of comments in the chat saying that they don't want him back as, uh, as All Blacks, uh, coach. Uh, and I think post Rugby World Cup, we're going to see, um, Fox take over as the, um, uh, as the All Blacks coach, as Steve Hansen um, steps down, and I think Grant Fox, not Grant Fox. Sorry, who's um, Foster? Foster, sorry, Foster. Yeah, Foster. Uh, cool. Who's with F? Um, anyway, Foster. Yeah, sorry, yeah, Foster. I, will, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> dear me, Foster. Sorry, will we'll take over, uh, and uh, I think Gatlin will probably pick up a uh, w- w- one of the minor ten cup teams. Uh, after take because that, that'll be about six months after the Rugby World Cup, the Midas Cup will start. He'll he'll take Midas Cup team, uh, and then the season after in sort of twenty twenty one, maybe looking at a, uh, a Super Rugby um, franchise. And uh, it's never that straightforward when you're looking for a new job. I mean, you have to take some things on the bounce, and you know when all of a sudden people say we're going to have a six months off, and all of a sudden the right job opportunity comes, and they oh no no I didn't need any holiday at all. You know, this was what I was dreaming about. I mean. It's, I see where you're coming from, Paul, but to plan it like that perfectly years ahead, it rarely turns out that way. Not even for world class rugby coaches. Maybe not, but if you, if you've got a, <laughs> a, a Fiji super rugby franchise kicking off in 2021 and you have. That's worth holding out for. <laughs> <laughs> and you have, you have what, you have a, a Warren Gatland coming off his, uh, his, his sabbatical after the Rugby World Cup. That wouldn't be a bad, uh, a bad place for him to land. So there you go. You've heard it here first. Warren Gatland to coach the Fiji Super Rugby franchise that uh, enters into Super Rugby in 2021. Um, there's my prediction. But um, here's an, I mean, 
I'm mean, sorry. I'm gonna take this in the bounces off topic, and I'm gonna steal two minutes from the show. But what about if Steve Hansen steps down? What can he do next? Why should he step down? This is what I, if, if All Black keeps winning, I don't think he's going to step down. No way. He's going to be like uh, Sir Alex Ferguson from the All Blacks. He's just going to stay there in like a boss position and so then make sure he have actually other guys running the team for him and he just handle because the media and the big pressure. He's perfect Steve, in his role, Steve, by the way, too. He's perfect in his role. Because Steve Hansen's actually still fairly young. He's not actually, I mean, being a coach, it doesn't really matter anyway, but um, he's, he's actually very young. Uh, in terms of years, obviously, in terms of coaching years, he's been around for a very long time. But uh, yeah, it's it's interesting whether I suppose that's one of the topics we can discuss for our All Black show, and in the future is what Steve Henson going to do after the World Cup? Yep, well, that's a cliffhanger. He's fifty nine <laughs> now, um, so he'll be sixty one uh, or after, after the Rugby World Cup, or sixty after the Rugby World Cup. Uh, and as as and yeah, as a teaser, yeah, one of the topics for a an All Black edition is to um, as to what happens there. For all Blacks editions tomorrow, right? Paul. Paul, keep them like in the memory, don't in the future. Tomorrow, the All Blacks edition show tomorrow. Okay. On the All Blacks edition show tomorrow, get... we'll talk about that then. Ask for a Jeez, I've already got the script for tomorrow lined up, but never mind. We'll, we'll, we'll change it. Um... <laughs> we're, in the, we're in the media business. We have to take things to the fly here, you know? <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear me. Um, Oh, I had something in my head and I've gone blank. That's not very good, is it? Oh, geez. Um, so anyway, yeah, so we'll talk about Steve Hansen um, tomorrow night uh, on, on, on that kind of things. Uh, the other one actually in the chat um, is uh, Joe Smith, uh, apparently. feel like it. Sorry? If you feel like it. It's all about you, Ashwin, don't worry. Um, <laughs> yeah. The, um, is, is, yeah, Joe, Joe Smith's the, obviously the other um, person who may be heading home after every World Cup uh, as well. So that would be another interesting one. Um, oh, Graham Henry as obviously could, could make a comeback. He's going to be assistant coach at um, the uh, Auckland uh, provincial side for the, uh, the Mighty Ten Cup. Could he revive his... Could, could, could he, does, does he want to get back into it now and have a last hurrah? Oh, you never know. I want to share... I've, oh, how can I forget this? I heard like the best piece of rugby gossip yesterday with something I think will excite you both. Listen it's, up, people. Yes, one time who is rumored to be thinking about take, picking up a referee career. No. The great Richie McCall <laughs> is thinking about becoming a referee. It's true, <laughs> folks. It's true, folks. Well, I would what everybody's doing at the breakdown. love that. I would love if he took up a referee career. Because I think his feel for the game is second to none. He can read Not situations. Deep better than anyone and the other thing i heard like several times because before every season i don't know if it's before the super rugby season or the all back season the players get to do the referee test like lots of law like questions just how to and he aced them every single time he basically know every single law already i think he has a pretty good head start hey. to become a good referee in front of pretty much everyone else alive good uh, definitely ahead of justin marshall by the way <laughs> who at the weekend didn't even know the the the, the laws that uh, they got um, uh, PJ Perinara um, sent off. By the way, um, we we can't see oh, you at the moment. So. Yeah, so, so there's someone that needs some coaching. So come, come get so back maybe more, maybe more essentially your screen. Oh, please. me me. Yeah, smoking on screen. Fine, by the way. I'm having smoke. a cigarette. Yes, okay. okay, okay. I'm trying to hide it. <laughs> smoking and drinking allowed on the seat. I'm I'm, I'm, I'm anti-smoking. I believe all smokers should be shot. But yeah, you're allowed to smoke on the screen. It's okay. Go, yeah, go right, on, right. Because there's no smoke on you. <laughs> I was just going to say that. 
that, that was an absolute shocker from TJ Perinara on the weekend. It's just like, what was he rolling the, the laws back, like, 10 years or something? It's just like, and then he puts his hands up like he's like, oh, what did I do wrong? So maybe maybe Richard could go in there as a um, as a technical laws consultant for the All Blacks. Well, that that should, that should pay about two fifty an hour. The um, <laughs> it, it w- well, it would be amazing to see Richie back as 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 a coach because let's be honest, uh, sorry, as a referee because that's when you don't get paid much as a referee. The guy doesn't need the money; he would be doing it for the love of the game. Uh, and so it would be yeah, it would be great to see him. It would would be well, it'd be definitely amusing to see him initially. Uh, and we'll, we, we can then we can then judge after whether it be great or not great to actually see him do that. But it makes kind of sense too, you know, because um, I think all of us have followed Richie McCaw for a long time, and I even our viewers and listeners have seen the documentaries with him and know a fair bit about his personality. We, I don't claim we know him, but we know bits and parts of him. And he never ever came through as a coach material, never, never. And he's been pretty clear about that himself too. That it's not interesting. But on the same. On the same page, when you're just thinking as a referee, he comes through right away. Yes, yes, that's a referee. I mean, he's an A student, you know. He likes to do things perfect. He likes to, and he likes to challenge himself. And by God, is there a bigger challenge right now than referee rugby games? Well, Mark, Mark says in the, in the chat that um, no, Richie's doing an Adidas commercial as a referee. So maybe it's just an advertising thing. No, 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 no. This is from a good source down in the South Island. But hey, hey. Would you would you want to be a referee? Because all you're going to get uh, happen to you is getting thrown under a bus by the IRB anyway. So, and uh, as 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 Austin just <laughs> just takes us straight on to question three. Uh, <laughs> wow! Boom. Look at that segue. Let's just ruin it now. Well, but you you ruin it by repeating it. Just slow, <laughs> go with the flow, Paul. Go with the flow. <laughs> is this is supposed World to be a conversation. Be a good job, yes or no? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, hang on, hang on. That's a no from me, Paul. That's a yes yeah, and... from me, Ashwin. Um, so I think they are. But go ahead, go on, go on, boys. Tell me why why oh. World Rugby messing up? Well, uh, I think <laughs> I start I start with this one because I think it's uh, the, the biggest problem. Real Rugby is they have to do like a big uh, sit down and actually realize what are we expecting from our referees? Can we actually do a, the job we expect them to do? Is it even possible to do it? And I think the question to that is no. You need more eyes. You need more hands. It will hurt some of the fluidity of the game, but I also think if, if all the players know that they're going to be, most of the things going to be picked up on, they will be more hesitant to do it. I mean, this, this whole idea that you have... Uh, yeah, we have assistant referees too, but the main, where is the main guy who is supposed to make the calls? And then he's going to watch 30 players. It's, it's impossible. It's absolutely impossible. So, so I'm going to take a slightly different tack on it, and I'm not going to look at a specific incident. I'm going to look at the, what is the, what is the role of world rugby or the IRB, as I like to refer to them as? It's the management of the game across the globe is what their core function is. And yep. when you look at it, so let's go back at the incidents that have occurred, and we're just focusing on refereeing incidents in the last two weeks. Hang on, wasn't there some eligibility issue with some rugby World Cup qualifying games? And it's like, 
oh, hang on, we'll wash our hands of that. That was because those sub whatever committee group over here. They should, hell no, it's a rugby world cup qualifying game. The rugby world, the rugby world rugby IRB much easier to say, needs to be above that, needs to be monitoring that, needs to be making sure that's all I's dotted, T's crossed. They well, can't wash their hands of it. And then you come down to things, so you carry on. And it's not the, the rulings, it's not the laws, it's the handling of it. You do not throw your employees under a bus in a public format. You don't go and say, oh, hang on, he wasn't wrong, but we're just pulling that red card. Why would you pull the red card if he wasn't wrong? Okay, so you know that's sort of incidentals. But look, what they should be coming out to saying: we've got issues in our game. We need to look at that, and we will look at that. And obviously, it is highlighted from the weekend that that needs to be like. You don't go and actually throw your bloody employees under a bus, though. That's just poor management. Yeah, but first, I want to come back to a thing you say about. Uh European qualifiers, it was Rugby Europe who was responsible for this and all the mess up would come with the Spain-Belgium game and the Romania involvement. Uh, it's that uh, at least, well, rugby have learned from the lesson, so from uh, next, World Cup, next World Cup cycle, we, they will be in charge of all qualifying games that are like in any way connected to a World Rugby tournament. So they learned from a mistake, yep. at least. They learned from a mistake, but it's a professional sport now. That mistake like that should not have been made. Yeah, yeah, I know, I know, I know, but I mean, it's still a young professional sport, so you have to give them some leeway. I mean, you, you, if, I mean, the first thought is good, you know. It's also in Europe, which is not, it's not like plagued with corruptions. We, we are corruption in Europe, but it's not plagued with corruptions. You kind of can see where we're coming from, but they want to give the, the European Federation a chance to run things, and we're expecting to do it. But obviously, they, they F up, so. But well, rugby took notice. And they messed up. F- I believe is the term we're looking for. Anyway, but let's. Yeah, let's but stop. I use F. No, 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 no. no. I, we're not even allowed well, to use F word. I've just, I've just told someone off for swearing in the chat, so I'm, 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 I'm cracking down. Ah, <laughs> oh, they can use F in the chat. Red card. No, yellow card. Oh, dearie me. Yeah, yellow card. Um, you, 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. For, for five minutes. Anyway, okay, ten minutes. Okay, some, 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 some issues here. Okay, let, let, let's talk about some practicalities around this sort of stuff. Then, if we say that World Rugby has to look at managed referee appointments for all of the World Cup qualifying competitions. Does that mean that they only that they that they only do uh, organise refs every other every sort of once every four years for the European? Um, oh, actually, once every two years for the European um, wide uh, well, uh, cup, um, because it's the same competition that's used that's, that's played every year. But only only two years out of four is it used for qualifying for every World Cup. So does that mean that the European Union does refing for two years and then World Rugby takes over for two years? That that kind of mess and having those double infrastructure is all extra cost uh, and stuff you just don't need. So you either have it either basically say every international game is um, all the referees are sorted by World Rugby, which is a, which is heavily onerous, or you do delegate responsibility. Uh, and yeah, delegating responsibility is right is, is the right way to do it, um, but unfortunately, it's led to this problem. Okay, yeah, here's this, the problem with delegating. Here's the problem with delegating uh, authority at referee appointments. Right, is the fact is that okay? So you've got World Rugby who are doing a referees panel who appoint make appointments for let's call it tier one fixtures. Um, 
but then they don't get involved in these lower levels. It's like, well, that's actually at the lower levels where the guidance is required, not necessarily at the higher level. So you actually need to have more guidance where people are still learning and understanding what the pro- correct protocols and processes should be. Um, so maybe it's like if, if they're not going to be involved, as you say, it does get onerous, is that they still have to have an appointment that then oversees to make sure that the correct protocols and processes are followed to make sure the appointments are correct. And, yeah, I think better education of those of the unions is, is, is required rather than sort of tra- taking it all on themselves personally. Uh, things overly centralised generally aren't aren't good. And I think that's also part of the problem that's um, happened in uh, this game. And, OK, Christian goes, all games should be neutral refs. They are neutral refs at international level. Okay, the um, the so that's um, what you're actually referring to there, Christian and Jack. Is you're talking about Super Rugby, which is a different ball game entirely. That's club rugby, uh, and uh, is is a different thing. But anyway, the uh, the I think overcentralization is wrong. Uh, this these sides again, it's not actually World Rugby that censored the that said the red card should be pulled. It's an independent disciplinary panel that said it should be pulled. Now, I think they've made the wrong decision. The right decision would have been to say that being red carded and sent off was enough punishment, therefore there's no extra punishment on top, which would have been fine. But to say it wasn't a red card, therefore there's no extra punishment, I think was the wrong... It, maybe it's semantics, um, because he's already been punished, but uh, to me that was the wrong way to go about it. Um, the... Uh, um, just as a sign that apparently we may be up for a 250 euro fine for, for smoking on the podcast. So I didn't realize that was actually apparently uh, the, um, <laughs> uh, in Europe. Thankfully, we're not in Europe, but some, um, yes. So but we yeah. are broadcasting to Europe. So we'll better be uh, better try and behave a bit more. Um, so, yeah, hide it off screen next time. Um, smoking <laughs> on podcasts. <laughs> um, uh, well, on podcasts, we'll see pure podcast. It's, uh, just, it's, it's only audio, so they can't really tell. But uh, on, on, uh, on, on video, yes. Um, the, uh, but yeah, okay. Now, sure, on the refereeing side of things, there are some issues, there are some inconsistencies, and I guess it comes down to question five that we'll leave, leave over to next week um, around is rugby just basically a game that's, de- that's designed to be cheat- designed for cheating? But some of the things that World Rugby is doing well. Um, first up, we've seen Japan beat, or, or we've seen the tier two, tier one gap narrow um, with that funding and with the extra coaching that goes in those spaces. We've seen Japan beat South Africa. At the Rugby World Cup, they've beaten Italy um, in this window. We've seen the USA beat um, uh, beat Scotland uh, in this window. Uh, we've seen an announcement of a professional league in South America that World Rugby is, is essentially funding, and that will kick off in 2020, I think it is, um, as well. Uh, so I think, to, I think World Rugby is doing a lot of stuff structurally um, better. Uh, in funding and setting up these competitions and raising the level and increasing the number of competitive teams globally. Uh, there is some public perception issues around refereeing, but I think outside of that, they're doing some very good work. Yes. Also, I want to add, I think there's a big misconception about what World Rugby actually is and how it works among many, many rugby fans. There seem to like, a lot of them think that this is like some all powerful independent organization who can do whatever they want, you know, like as long as they have a good for the game in front of their eyes. That's not true at all. Well, rugby is controlled by basically eight nations. And we all know who those eight nations are. Like it's, it's the classic. And now also Argentina and Italy is, 
is allowed to sit on the table with the with triple votes, not only double votes, triple votes. You know, so it's uh, and uh, these ten nations they run, run world rugby first and foremost for for their own benefit. That's what they always done. That's what we always do. And the most money by far is pitched out to these countries. And as long as these 10 countries think rugby works pretty fine in their own country, they're not going to be that keen on changing too many things. It's as far as you can get from a democratic organization as, as possible. It's like totally, totally elites in the elite who rule in world rugby. Yep, and it, the, the number of seats in the council is definitely geared towards keeping the tier one nations um, having more seats than anyone else. They get, they get one seat just purely for being a tier one nation. Um, then everyone who makes Rugby World Cup gets a seat, uh, and then everyone who passes some other eligibility gets a seat as well. Uh, now, the, the you do have to pass some eligibility rules, such as having accounts that have been audited and submitted for three years, I think it is, uh, consistently. Now, the Pacific Islands, funnily enough, fail on that one, um, as we've seen various corruption issues. The USA uh, hasn't been great um, in its administration either. Um, so there are various, um, so, and you've got to say, do you really want to be inviting onto your council um, corrupt organisations? So I can see the flip side to it uh, as well, um, to say, hey, do we really want to have someone who basically reports into um, the, uh, the the president of Fiji, who is a dictator, um, uh, as on our, on, on, on our, on our rugby council, uh, voting on how, how rugby goes and where funding goes? Maybe not the best, maybe not the most, uh, uh, the right person to be on there. So I do get that, there, that some eligibility criteria is needed. But again, the, 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 the rugby championship and the Six Nation Nations need to start understanding that there is a bigger game and reducing their power uh, and, as you say, de- democra- de- democratizing it uh, to, to, to include nations like Japan or, uh, or, and Georgia who have got proper um, administration um, structures in place to, to, to be able to do that kind of stuff. Now then, um, I think we're running out of time for the last two questions, so we'll come back and talk about Argentina and their uh, and, and their coaching structure who've resigned, and we'll also come back and talk about is rugby really just a cheating game next week. But um, looking at the international games that are coming up this next weekend, uh, which games are you looking forward to um, watching the most, Herman? And Herman's gone quiet. Nope. He's um, sort of his port out again. Port again. So, Arthur, what game are you job. looking forward to this weekend? Oh, <laughs> uh, well, yeah, actually, to tell you the truth, um, there's a few, really, isn't it? Because, well, got a bit of feedback there. Um, South Africa, England holds a bit of intrigue because it's just like, what's going on with that English team? Um, obviously, uh, South Africa have stepped up. They're playing some good rugby. They've got the, the impacts of the Willie Roos, the, the Dwayne Vermeulens, um, Fafit halfback. Yeah, there's, there's some players that have come back that have added an impact. Um, obviously to, 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 to work with the quality that they've got there. So, um, they've lifted. But something's going on with the England squad, and um, yes, it'll be it's, it's, it'll be interesting to see what happens there. As I said, it's more intriguing to see what happens there, and um, obviously the decider happening in Australia and Sydney. 
um, between, well, according to you, Australia and Scotland, but I'm pretty sure that's Ireland. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, that's the old decider. You know, as he changes it on the fly. (laughs) Um, You know, my son was saying, no one else can see our notes, Arsene, okay? Stop, stop it. No one can see the notes. <laughs> but as my son was saying, with the All Blacks winning the first two tests, do they have to play the third one? He's seven. And this is like, whereas we're, we go to Australia and it's just like, hey, yeah, game on. Number, game number three, all on the line. Um, so I suppose if, you, if you're really going to plump for a game to watch, that, that'll be it because it's the decider of the series. Yeah. Am I here? Can you hear me now? Yes. We oh, can hear you now. Yes. Oh, very, very good. So, no, I totally agree that uh, Wallabies Ireland, the decider, is uh, the highlight. Uh, also agree with Ashford. Interesting to see what's going on in the England camp. We should probably dedicate a show alone to that because I'm so surprised how quick the wheels have come off the England Eddie Jones train and they are coming up fast. And I was only up to uh, like after the Six Nation, I was still ready to defend Eddie Jones, but now it's getting pretty clear that it's there's something really, really, really wrong within the England camp because, oh, Paul looking like me, like he's going to kill me now. Carry it. the wheels come off. No, but for me, like, uh, I'm not going to go deep into it, but uh, the penalty count tells me there is something wrong because it should be a fairly easy fix. And it's, it's not offside penalties. And England hasn't been pinged offside one single time in South Africa, which also makes you think, like, are they really down there to play? I mean, if you don't get pinged once for South Africa, that tells me that you're not trying hard enough to push in that line. Uh, and finally, what France, New Zealand, it wasn't what we were hoping for. Uh, hopefully the French can. can I mean, but maybe, I mean, from a French perspective, they've they been a little bit hard done in this story. They've they got to feel like, when are we ever going to get a chance to show what we really got for, for 80 minutes? And they all had a loss to series. So, can they bring it? Do we have the energy to try to right some wrongs? It's almost get this weird. This is so funny. Sometimes I get the feeling with the All Blacks that they are, they don't set up a team to lose, but sometimes they like to challenge some of the boys a little bit more extra than we usually do, you know. And I have a feeling that they're gonna, they're not gonna go out and try to destroy France this weekend. They're gonna give a couple of new boys a chance and be trouble probably really going to put a lot of emphasis to try the new game plan. And if it doesn't work, fine, we lose, you know, but like they are, I think they're ready to take a scare because even swallow a defeat. I mean, because again, from an all-back perspective, this, this series, yes, it's a win, but that's probably the only positive so far that have come out of this series because we have no idea why we're all series. And comparing this to the, to the Wallabies, yes, they have a, a win and a loss, but that's that's the kind of preparation you want ahead of a rugby championship, isn't it? The, I'm not sure what, what you, you ever want. Nah. Um, but the yeah, the performances by the All Blacks. Oh, you do. Well. I mean, if you work with coaching, you want to lose some time because the, I mean, you can't win all the time. It's impossible to start with. You can nearly the uh, the American basketball team do. The anyway, but um, <laughs> the. <laughs> <laughs> Extra points for you for getting that into the show just before we end. Like the knife into all Kiwis. Like, yeah. you're, not, you're not number one. There's one team out there that's better. So, um, 
we'll have to see. I mean, we'll discuss the All Blacks one, All Blacks game much more uh, to, in, in more depth tomorrow night. Uh, I'm not so sure that they will experiment, having had such a poor performance in the last game. But we'll, we'll I say we'll get into that one in more depth tomorrow night in the All Blacks edition. I think you guys are both missing out on the big game of the of, of the weekend, and I think that's Japan Georgia. Here we have a lot of people being championing Georgia as being the top tier what tier two team, and they should be in the Six Nations. But they've never beaten a tier one team. Japan have had a couple of tier one scalps. Uh, they no people aren't really talking them up to join the rugby championship. And I think this is I think they've got a point to prove here to show. Look, we are actually the number one tier tier, tier two team uh, that should be getting promoted. Uh, look, we're going to put these we're going to put Georgia in their place. Uh, and so I think actually that um, uh, that Japan Georgia game is a is 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 actually perhaps the the, the um, one of the bigger games this weekend as well. And deadly silence. <laughs> we lost. <laughs> I saw I saw Herman's lips moving, so I thought I'd let him go. But yeah. now we can only see his lips moving. Here we go. Here, yeah, come on. Here you go. So nope. one of these days, lips moving. One of these days, Herman, who does who does writing for a living, will actually buy a proper computer to write on. What? Can you hear me now, man? <laughs> we can hear. Quick talk. Quick talk. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, but Georgia is coming down from Fiji. That's a long flight up to Japan. Now Japan lost to Italy. It was a it was an, actually another great game this weekend between Japan and Italy. Another game that pretty much felt like a tier one, tier one game in a great full, full sellout stadium, forty thousand people on the roof. Uh, but still, I agree with you, Paul. Very fair point. I mean, it's, it's, it's surprisingly that we're not more talk about Japan should be added to uh, to the rugby championship. Everyone, oh, we have to bring in the Islanders, and everyone pretty much know it's it's a no go. And at the moment, probably Japan definitely is better than Samoa and Tonga, and they are probably on equal footing with Fiji, and they have all the other stuff you need to be in the rugby championship. It's already there. But I think it, the rumors I hear is for the 2021. I have one good connection who's close to the Sansar strategic plan, and they say Japan is definitely in uh, with a good shout to be included for the 2021 rugby championship when the new TV deal kicks in. It makes just too much sense because... And it's, that's good news for uh, All Blacks and Wallabies fans too, because this team we added, there will be a little bit more travel, but all the games will be in the same time zone, just as in Super Rugby. So this would be great. I mean, it would be great news for uh, Australia, New Zealand, and Japan really pick up their game and become a strong rugby nation. Yeah, no, I think it's, it's going to happen. I just think that um, the Sun Wolves need to win a couple more games a season first before they, uh, because at the moment uh, they they're just not competitive. Uh, yeah, you are. Come on, Paul. Come on, Paul. That's not. Now I have to strongly disagree with you on this one. I mean, they are. They have three more games this season, and they, they just win one more. That's a better season. It's an improvement. And I, I back him. They're going to win one or two of these games we have still left. We look. The Japan national team look really good, and uh, next season is set up even better for them to perform in Super Rugby with a. Um, Longer break between the the top league and the Super Rugby league, and they have the same coach. Every, I, don't know. I think it's a lot of thing going for Japan right now. So I think they're moving definitely in the right direction. And they have, uh, as you mentioned too, you have the other scalps you forgot to mention in Spain. Not scalp, but they 2016 they lost to Wales on a last minute drop goal in Cardiff. Not bad. And uh, this November they should have beat France away. They missed like an easy conversion in the end and draw the game instead. 
So all these scouts at Georgia wish we have Japan already have them. No, oh, I agree. The match of 2015 Rugby World Cup, Japan, I mean, South Africa. Yeah, I mean that's 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 a that's a mother of all scouts. I'm mean, funny thing. This is a little bit. You know what the, the Japan uh, Rugby Football Union have invited Springboks for a game in Tokyo every year since uh, World Cup. But Springboks always declined. <laughs> 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 um, it's good. It's good money on the table, but they still don't want to do it. Not yet. They want Springboks want to be a hundred percent sure we're going to smash them before we play them again. Now, I, what, what I was trying to say was the, the, re- the reason I think there's, there's the clamour to get them in is the way that the Super, is because of how the, how the Sunwolves have been the bottom team in Super Rugby. Uh, they they've only they won two this this season, um, but at one point it looked like we're, they were going to go winless this season. Um, I don't think they'll, they'll get another victory this season, personally. Um, I know what they've got. The Bulls in Singapore, um, they're down in Canberra, and I can't remember where their last game is now. But um, So they, what, we really, what we really need to see bef- to, to cause a clamour is if, if they were to do what the Hagarais have done and uh, win five or six games in a season, then I think you'd suddenly find the clamour would be there to get them in the rugby championship. Um, but I think the, the part, one of the things that's dampening it has been that was Georgia. We don't have that same. They don't have a team in any competition um, to show you quite that they that, that they aren't at that level. Um, and so I think that's part of it. Also, there are rumours, and these are rumours. These are, this isn't so. so um, I, I don't know how substantiated these could be, uh, but there is there is there are rumours of that um, some of the uh, German, sorry, sorry, not German, some of the. Um, uh, the oligarchs' uh, money that goes towards the Georgia uh, rugby, some of that also goes towards some, some journalists um, to write nice articles about Georgia as well, which helps obviously fuel the fire. Um, so, um, boys, thank you very much. We've run out of time. Um, Ashram's just shaking his head going, Paul has just uh, bankrupted himself yeah. with, uh, with, with legal fees. Um, Ashram, <laughs> as this is possibly our last ever show, as we get fined for smoking, um, I get uh, taken to court for legal uh, defamation um, and uh, all, all that kind of stuff. All mobsters coming knocking on your door just saying that. It's like, <laughs> I don't want to freak you out or anything, you know. It's, it's, it's a so, fucked life of rugby podding. It has been great <laughs> doing this show from Rotorua tonight. <laughs> I see what you did there. <laughs> um, Ashwin, why do you let people know where they can get in touch with you during the week? You can find me at NZFetso on Twitter and I'll see you there. And if you want to catch me the next couple of days, you go to an Irish pub in Chiang Mai, especially on Saturday. I will be watching both Old Blacks and the Wallabies before I kick into World Cup soccer gear. I've been Paul, the guy behind Driving Mall. Um, so yeah, at Driving Mall on Twitter, always up for good rugby chat. So um, do comments down below. Click on like, do subscribe, and all of that kind of lovely stuff. Um, and um, yeah, Jackie clearly didn't get the joke about about Rotorua, but uh, hey, maybe next time. <laughs> um, cheers, guys, and uh, enjoy whatever rugby you're watching this weekend. <laughs>